So thank you very much, everybody, for inviting me today to, to come and speak with you. Um, I guess you know what's coming. Um, I'm here to talk about money. Um, stewardship is what I do for the diocese. I work with parishes to encourage people to think about gener generosity. Um, it's not always about money, but Rob has asked me to focus on that particularly this morning. Um, money in churches are often a very difficult thing. So let's start by thinking about why we're here in the first place. The reason that we're all in church, I believe, is that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everybody who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. It's as simple as that. We have the most incredibly generous God We've got lots of kids here. If something happened to your kids, what would happen? <laughs> yeah, mine are 29 and 31. If something happened to one of them, I would be distraught. I wouldn't know what to do. So think about a God who is so generous that he's given his son to have this horrible awful death on a cross just so that we can be saved. That's why we're here. That's why we think about money, because churches need money to get by. We don't like talking about money in churches, but there's actually plenty in the Bible about money and about possessions and about generosity. There's over 2,300 verses, in fact. And you think, that's a lot. But then you think about some fairly obvious ones. Luke, chapter 10. That's the Good Samaritan. Think about the Good Samaritan. Here's this guy being beaten up, left on the side of the road, robbed, not having a very good day. People are ignoring him, just walking straight past and then this guy comes along, he's a Samaritan, it's not his tribe, it's not my, you're not in my club. So what does he do? He picks him up, he takes him to a place of safety, he pays for it all. That's generosity. That's generosity in the Bible. And how about the feeding of the 5,000, the loaves and fishes? That's extravagant generosity. We start with so little, and God then is really, really generous, and he makes enough for everybody with lots left over. And how about, we've been looking at this one this morning, the wedding at Cana. What a profligate, reckless, extravagant act of generosity on God's part. Wherever we look in the Bible, there's generosity, there's plenty and it's actually not all fun and games. So I'm going to pick up my presentation here because I can't read that from here. And I don't think you can either, but it doesn't actually matter. So just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. 
Which ones? He inquired. Well, Jesus replied, well, you shouldn't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, not give false testimony, honour your father and mother and love your neighbour as yourself. All all of these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And then Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. That's quite hard, but it's there in the Bible. And then here, another bit of Matthew, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you brought me in. I needed clothes, you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. That's great. But what happened to those that didn't do any of those things? Well, if you remember, they were cursed. So God actually demands us being generous. And when it comes to actual giving, and people say, well, how much? That's Zacchaeus. As you recall, Zacchaeus is a tax collector, not all that popular. And Jesus came along and Zacchaeus suddenly gets it. And when Zacchaeus gets it, he goes, Ah, I'm not going to give 10%. I'm going to give half of everything I have to the poor. How much? Half. And we all know about the widow and her might. She had nothing. But she gave with what she absolutely needed, not what was spare and left over. Like that really moving story about your lady in Canterbury. She had absolutely nothing. That is generosity. That's really, really special. And I think that we should try to be like her, don't you? So the Old Testament as well has got some ideas about possessions, money, generosity. You can't read this, so I'm going to read it for you. This is a bit of Leviticus. And this is a tithe of everything from the land, which is got from the soil or the fruit from the tree. It belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. And then it goes on to say, whoever would redeem any of their tithe must add a fifth of the value to it. So it's going on to say, well, if yeah, I'm going to give them 10%, but if I want a bit of it back... It's got to go back to God with a bit more on top. That's quite hard work too. No one may pick out the good from the bad or make any substitution. If anyone does make a substitution, both the animal and its substitute becomes holy and cannot be redeemed. So how about a bit of Exodus? Exodus says to celebrate the festival of harvest... And it's a pretty good time of year to be thinking about that one at the moment. With the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. This is the first fruits. This isn't about what's left over. Celebrate the festival of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in the crops from the field. Both Leviticus and Exodus are telling us actually God's first and then the rest comes later. How about a 
bit of Deuteronomy. When you have entered the land of the Lord that the Lord is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits again of all that you produce from the soil of the land your God and put them in a basket. The Bible is full of generosity. It's really clear about what we should be doing. Now, there's quite a a long one here, and I won't read all of it. It's a bit from Numbers. And basically what this one is saying, that once you've given your tithe, you've given your tenth, um, the Levites, who were the priests, can take some of that and use that to live live on. You get something similar in Chronicles, um, where the Levites, the priests, um, they are able to, you know, as soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, olive oil, honey, and all the fields produced. They brought a great amount, and they were dedicated to the Levites who were able to use them. In the context of us here in Hawkinge now, and the money that we give to the church, essentially that's what's happening. You have a pastor, a priest here, who does a fantastic job, and it's your generous giving that supports the work that he does here among you. So what does all this Bible stuff mean for us? And does anyone know who that is? Yes, Billy Graham. I've put him up there because he once described a checkbook, that dates it, as a theological document. Because how we spend our money is a really clear indication of what's important to us. Is God first in my life? Do I give the first of my fruits to God? Or do I not? The question is, do we believe in this wonderful, generous God who has given us everything? And if so, are we prepared to take what the Bible says seriously and give generously to God through his church? So does that mean that I'm standing up here today to tell you that you've got a tithe, all of you? No, I'm not. Because what we give to God is between us and God. Not everybody can tithe. And there are other people who could do a lot more than that. John Wesley, when he died, people were very surprised at how little he had to leave. Because he was this famous preacher. And he brought in lots and lots and lots of money. But the thing was that when he started out, he had a very small income. And he said, I can live comfortably on this income. And as time went on and the money rolled in, he lived on that same small income and he gave the rest away. So that when he died, actually, he had very little to leave because he'd given it away during his lifetime. What you give to God is up to you completely. When you're thinking about it, however, I'm going to suggest that it should be sustainable. If you decide to give more than you can actually afford to give, you won't be able to keep it up. And you'll get into all sorts of other trouble. 
No point in going into debt to give 10% of your income to God. But I think it should be significant. I think it should be enough of our income that we notice it. Don't you? And I was at a diocesan event yesterday, and somebody from one of our parishes, actually it was a church in this deanery, came up to me and said, you know, as a PCC, as a church, in about the year 2000, we decided that we were going to tithe the church income. And every year we've given 10% away. Sometimes it's been a bit more than that. And he says, it's amazing. He said, God does provide. He said, we used to be in financial difficulties all the time. And since we've been giving 10% away to all sorts of good causes, we've been okay. And that's a wonderful thing to hear and not very far from here. But what we give is between us and God. I know that the finances of this particular church are really tough. And that's okay. I'm not going to be standing here today telling you, you know, you've got a deficit or whatever. I'm not here to do that today. I'm asking us to think about God and God's generosity and what God wants from us. On your tables, you're going to find um, a brochure summarising what I've said. There's also a response form, a pledge form. We're going to ask everybody, please, to fill it out. And it says on it, return to the administrator. Um, but I got that one wrong. Sorry. It's please return to Marigold, because she, she'll know what to do with them. Um, please, everybody, fill that in and bring it back. I know that as a church family, you're a pretty close family. And it's, as soon as you walk in here, it's really, really obvious. So this is a sort of like a family exercise. And even if you don't change what you give, we're going to ask you to please to think about it, pray about it, talk to your family about it, and decide what's right for you to give. Is tithing right for me? What percent do I give now? Could I increase it? to be a little bit closer to that tithe. But please, even if you don't change, could you please bring those forms back? So, we're going to finish with a little story. Once upon a time, there was a man who had nothing. And then God gave him ten apples. Or it could be peaches, or it could be cherries, or it could be Mercedes, doesn't matter. Ten apples. God gave him the first three apples to eat. And so the man ate the first three apples. God gave him the second three apples to make a shelter from the sun and the rain. So he traded the second three apples for a shelter from the sun and rain. God gave him the third three apples to trade for something to wear. So he traded those three apples and got himself some clothes. God gave him the tenth apple so he might have something to give back to God to show his gratitude for all the other nine apples. The man looked at this tenth apple and it seemed bigger and juicier than all the rest. And he reasoned, well, God's got all the other apples in the world. So the man ate the tenth apple and gave back to God. Really? Yep, 
the core. God really has given each one of us enough apples. Enough apples to supply all of our needs and a bit extra so that we can show our gratitude to him. The choice is yours. Are you going to return that big, lovely, juicy apple back to God or just the core? So the focus of tithing isn't about the tithe itself. It's about the tither, the person doing the tithing. The focus of gift is not in the is, is the focus is not the gift, but it's about the giver. The focus is not about the possession, about the stuff we have, but the possessor, about us. It's not about your money or my money or anyone else's money. It's all about our relationship with that wonderful, generous God who gave his son the most precious thing it's possible to have for us so that we might be saved. So that's me done. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. That was great. Thank you for that. Shall we pray? It's not actually about the money. It's about the relationship we have with the Lord. It was about making sure that everything that we have and all that we are is right with him. Jesus didn't ask Zacchaeus for a single penny. He just said, I want to come and fellowship in your house today. And as we meet with him, it's about making sure that all that we have is laid before him. Everything we have is submitted to him. And so, Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the words that Liz has brought. The reminder, the practical reminder of all that we need to do. We thank you for the love and generosity in the hearts of Maggie and June and the project they have with Limitless and the work they do um, with um, Night Pastors. <clears throat> we thank you for that. We thank you for the generosity, the giving that is already here in this church to those who give faithfully. But Father, we want to lay before you, we want to take this moment, this moment at harvest time, and lay before you what we have in our hearts and say, Lord, prompt us, we ask, by your Spirit. If there's anything more that we can give, if we want to change our standing order, if we want to make a standing order, if we want to do something that reflects our commitment and our love for you and for the mission of this church and we pray spirit of god would you prompt us so that we are right with you in everything for we ask this in jesus name amen amen